ready. Get ready. Get ready. For the steakhouse. You're about to experience the fastest two hours in radio history. With Steak Shapiro. There's a reason I'm drinking warm vodka in the breaks. Sandra Golden. Listen, I love a petty party and I am right in the heart of it. Rusty Menzel. My grammar hasn't got me to this point in my career. And Drew Butler. What are you going to say when it happens? That I'm the man? It's the Steakhouse. Brought to you by John Foy and Associates. On Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. And welcome to Tuesday. The Steakhouse is open. So come on in and grab a bite to eat and spend two hours with us. Sandra, I haven't seen you. You were working with Zinno and company. And yep, last we week, off. Yep, yep. I was solo. Uh, two weeks. A couple of shows. Two whole weeks. Yeah, two nice weeks. Nice to see you. Nice to see you, too. You look good. You look rested. Thank you. I had a great break and yeah. relaxed. What was the highlight of your break? What was the highlight of your last uh, two Christmas weeks? in Panama City with my sweet mother. We had a wonderful time, beautiful weather. It was all good. Larry and there with you? Larry was there with. Nice. And I got to tell you, Lake Oconee is just party after party every single night. It is jam-packed from Bananas, Christmas to huh? New Year's. So, so my family was down at 30A. I stayed here and worked last week, which was awesome in its own right. Yeah. Just kind of, you know, had nobody at the house, binge-watched some shows, did five hours of radio with Mike Bell. That played. was great. I really enjoyed that Yeah, last we had a week. lot of fun. That was awesome, five hours. And then uh, and then had a uh, chance to, I don't know, it was, it was warm enough to get out there, play tennis, and do some things. So that was a fun week. But um, I guess the, the notion that between Christmas and New Year, the beach – quiets down was not the case. My family said it was packed down at the beach. Oh, like, it's a great week and, to go. Yeah, 40s I do want to say something. Did she mention that the the bridge is out at 30A? So you guys plan in spring to break. This is very important. There's an area, Deer Lake, and if you know where the hub is, uh, so b- between the hub and Seagrove, you can't drive on 30A. You have to go all the way back to Highway 98. So just Google uh, b- uh Bridge improvement, okay? okay. So I, why is this important? Because if you're going for spring break with your kids, you can't travel from Rosemary to Seaside on 30A. So okay. there you go. There's there you your go. PSA. There's a helpful travel tip. Yeah, there you go. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's packed and beautiful. It's a great time to yeah, go. Yeah, it was the 40s, though, 40s and 50s, just about everywhere, which was fine. We went through more firewood in the last few days, and just yesterday, nine hours of football started with my uh, – my cousins, my aunts, or Kimberly's, uh, they're LSU fans. Oh, wonderful. So they yep. came over at noon for LSU, Wisconsin. Uh, betting tidbit, my friend who's in the business a little bit, right? LSU overs and Iowa unders. If you bet LSU overs and Iowa unders the last 10 weeks, probably made 80% of your bets. Yesterday, both examples, LSU games always go over the number. Iowa numbers always go under. Didn't they get shut out yesterday? 35 nothing. Against Tennessee. So that game was like a 38 and a half. Anyway, a yeah. little helpful hint. Those were the early games, and then you had the bad boys, uh, the big boys. It uh, didn't get better than that last night. Oh it just God. doesn't get better Jeez than that Louise. last night. Period. You talk about drama. You talk about what makes sports special. You talk about moments one after another that define a, uh, a generation in terms of football players and how that game could have gone for both Michigan and Alabama. And then, of course, Washington. How do you not root for Washington, I loved right? Washington, and I started betting Washington a little bit later. Yeah, in the good year. bet yesterday. It went well. Getting yeah. four and a half by game time, mm-hmm. I think, right? That Michael Penix is special. Andy Bunker, I'm so happy for you him could, and his family. Yeah, you could argue they keep favoring the wrong team when Washington plays, right? There was nothing about Washington. By the way, that's what the betters did with TCU last year. 
So TCU was all the underdog and kept winning and beating. So that's what Washington was doing this year, especially the second half of the season. Yeah, I hope it ends better for them than it did for TCU because you know how that yeah. ended, oh, right? The worst mm-hmm. bowl loss ever until, until Saturday. Until Saturday, 63-3. to So we'll talk to Mike Griffith about that, how Georgia went down to Miami, and it just – not a good uh, statement for college bowl season at all. Kirby talked about that, um, and I'm sure I don't know what I don't I don't know what NCAA is going to do about bowl games. But you can't have another Orange Bowl that looks like that. And then uh, trying to figure out just everything that's been going on: the transfer portal, the NIL, players flying all over the you know coming, going, who's playing, the who's not. The transfer portal date has to change, and I would say that is first. And then a lot of things might fall into place after that. But being that the transfer portal is when it is, yeah. it's not fair to these kids or these programs. Yeah, or the bowl games that are spending money, the sponsors on these bowl games. I don't have much sympathy for them. I'm more sympathetic to the kids and the coaches and the programs. Well, how about the fans that want to see a decent game? How about folks that are making travel plans to go watch bowl games that have been around for years? I mean, the Orange Bowl situation was just... But I want to also argue that you guys going to games like that, and we have done it for many, many years, my father and I, going dated back to the Cotton Bowl, you went because it was an event, and it was fun, and you're following your team, and it's a cool place to visit. So certainly you want a competitive game. Take Georgia FSU off the board. Yep. I mean, you don't think Liberty had an absolute blast playing Oregon yesterday in the Fiesta Bowl? They got blown out. There were so many Liberty fans there, right. and I just thought that's the other side of it. It's a lot of fun. Listen, the, the Georgia game was the aberration. It was the worst uh, coming together, right? How FSU felt coming in. Then you had the portal changes. Mm-hmm. You, you just had an uninspired group. You had kids going to the NFL. It was just – Let's let's just not use that's an anomaly. That's why I said let's we'll take call that, that out the of anomaly. The yes. All right. Quinn Snyder joins us in a few minutes. Thankfully, the Hawks finally won a game. Mike Griffith joins us after that. We got a lot to get to, including nine at nine. Time to build the foundation of today's show with the top nine at nine. Nine, nine. on the Steakhouse Sports Radio ninety two nine. The game. Michigan is a five point favorite this morning as they will play Washington in the national title game next Monday seven thirty live from Houston. Complete utter domination by Michigan in that first quarter or so. Five sacks and absolutely dominating Alabama up front. But at halftime. When you talk to folks who you trust, everybody could see. Bad sign for the Michigan Wolverines. They led by three. They dominated the line of scrimmage both ways. They had miscues on special teams. They had miscues in not taking care of the football. Alabama got next to nothing done, and somehow you look up fourth quarter, Alabama's up seven, and if Michigan doesn't have that final drive of 75 yards, convert a fourth and two, convert inside the five-yard line, then Alabama would be headed to the national title. But Michigan found a way, and they made plays. And then when they got to overtime, two running plays for Blake Corum. And next thing you know, a fourth down stop. Michigan moves on. Doesn't even get better than that game and going to overtime and the two Blue Bloods that were there. It was a great watch. And then your late night game. And by late night, that thing, I think I looked at the clock. It was 12.33. And by the way, Texas was driving. It was every bit, everything we wanted. I just was a little late for Yeah, us. it looked like Washington may blew the opportunity because right. they were they were comfortably doing their thing the entire way. The first pass, Michael Penix throws a 75-yarder, and he was off and running throws for 430. Holy dime. 
Holy dime. That guy, the accuracy, putting those receivers. Three team. NFL wide receivers. Oh, yeah. An NFL oh, yeah. quarterback. A wrong team was favored in that game. Washington, the better team. 37-31 is your final. The two teams combined for 1,030 yards of offense. Quinn Ewers also had a day, 318 and a touchdown. But it was the Michael Penix show, 29 of 38, 430 yards, two touchdowns. It was phenomenal. Who you like if you had to bet it this morning? Michigan, Washington, five points. I think Michigan's going to win the national title. I, I think they're the toughest team left in college football, but I would not give five points to Michael Penix in that offense. I think this could be a great national title game. Michigan's going to be looking at a very different offense than Ohio State, a very different offense than yesterday when they played uh, Alabama. I mean, this is, like we just said, an NFL quarterback with NFL receivers playing at the peak of their game, and they're getting five points. It doesn't seem right, exactly. All right, so our Falcons and Saints, that's a Sunday 1 o'clock in New Orleans. Saints are favored by three and a half. It's very simple. If the Falcons win and the Bucks lose, the Falcons will represent the NFC South. Do with that what you like. Hawks hosting Oklahoma City Wednesday night at State Farm. In the month of December, do not bring this up to Quinn when you talk to him shortly. Four and ten. They finally snapped a four-game losing streak by beating uh, Wizards on Sunday. Whew. Yeah, I was at a lot of those games. Um, yeah, it was not a good month. How was the Heat game? I saw you went he- down heat there. Heat game was was fun, um, but it, you know the result was unfortunate. The Heat have it going on. The crowd there is amazing. It's, it's, a, it's a scene. That yeah. kid from UCLA, uh, my God, another great draft pick for them. Uh, he looked awesome. Duncan Robinson had 25 points against us in, like, the fourth quarter. No, I didn't. I mean, that wasn't a good outing, out, outcome. Then I went to the Sacramento game. We blew a 15-point lead in the fourth yeah, quarter. Yeah, that was No, it's been, it's been hard. It's, hard. it's been hard. That's right. What else we got? <sighs> well, Alex Anthopoulos is his wizardry, but we'll talk more about that later. Um, Eduardo Perez on a podcast yesterday tells you the Braves are the best team. In the National League. Oh, yeah, he knows what the Dodgers did. So you're going to like what he has to say. That's coming up at 1020. All right. uh, Lots to get to in the course of our next two hours. We're going to talk to the head basketball coach of the Hawks. I know there's a lot of college football. I know the Falcons have to be front and center. That conversation on Twitter, never seen anything like folks going all in on the Falcons. We'll get to that as well. But uh, how do you come out of a bad stretch and turn it around? I'll ask Quinn Snyder that and find out what has been going right and not so right for the Hawks of late. Quinn Snyder, head coach, coming up. It's Steak and Sander Fast at two hours in radio. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. 9.23, Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Steak Shapiro and Sander Golden. Thanks so much for being with us on a Tuesday morning on the number one sports talk radio station in the Southeast. The highest ratings in sports radio history for Atlanta. Those ratings just came out last week. All good news for the folks here. Although I was nervous. I put my little finger there as I was entering the building here, and it said denied, my my little finger ID. (laughs) And I was like, here we go again. Oh, dear. Do I have a lunch schedule? Anybody? I was like, am I about to get taken a Luxon bagel like the old place? (laughs) Oh, that's Um, funny. So it it said denied. I was like, Mikey, you know, you could at least give me a heads up (laughs) if something was going on for the new year. But... um, I think they had there was too much alcohol on my finger. Oh yeah, couldn't it, read it from mm-hmm. the uh, from the holidays. <laughs> so I had to wipe it down and then put it back up, right. and then uh, they let us in the building. Hoping to get Quinn Snyder coming up here in a few minutes. Um, obviously, a busy, busy couple of weeks since we've seen each other, Sandra. 
I mean, the top of the storylines um, have to be the Atlanta Falcons and, and the decisions that are going to be made at Flowery Branch and the uh, tenuineness, tenue, tenuineness uh, of uh, Arthur Smith and that regime. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if this were Vegas, I think the notion is 80% chance that Arthur Smith is back, whether fans like it or not. Um, although I think it'll be some very tough conversations. Um, maybe if they implode against the Saints and look as bad as they did against Chicago, which maybe was their worst game of the year, mm-hmm. either that or the game in they Charlotte. Three, yeah, well, that's a good one, too. The Charlotte game. Do you think the decision's made up? Was is made already that Blank says no. he's coming back or he's not coming back? I think they're. Because I don't think it should come down to Saints and what you're going to do in New Orleans. I think that's actually the saddest statement that we'll hear. Um, I just hope that you've got to be 60,000 feet above and take a look at this entire season and what has not happened after you wrote a check for all those players. Well, yes and no. I mean, you didn't write a check for Desmond Ritter. You didn't write a check for Taylor Heineke. That's what you – I mean, the checks you wrote I think were well spent, you know, from the uh, Calais Campbells to the – I don't know, Bud Dupree's and Jesse Bates's. The yeah. those checks were fine. The, the checks, I would argue, Sandra, are the three top ten draft picks mm-hmm. on the offense. And the fact you have one of the worst offenses in the league, and that's where you spent all your draft capital. Mm-hmm. And you also told your owner, we're okay. Like, we're okay with Desmond Ritter. Or we're okay with Taylor Heineke. We have a plan. We're going to draft uh, Kyler. Uh, we're going to draft. Um, D- Bijan. Well, Bijan, and we're going to draft Drake London, mm-hmm. and we're going to draft Kyle uh, Pitts. Kyle Pitts. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's very clear. Like, when Thomas Dimitrov got here, the first thing that happened was we drafted Matt Ryan, and we signed Michael Turner, and Mike Smith was our coach. Like, those are the defining moments, right? The first thing that happened here is we drafted Kyle Pitts as the highest drafted tight end of all time. Mm-hmm. Then then year two, Terry Fontenot, they draft, and Michael, Mike uh, uh, Arthur Smith. We're going to draft uh, another skill position, Drake London, mm-hmm. and we're going to draft a quarterback, mm-hmm. and we think that quarterback could be our starter, so that's our second big move. Then our third big move, same regime, Terry Fontenot, Arthur Smith. See how we're building here, telling his owner, we've got, we've got Kyle Pitts, we've got Drake London. You write Desmond the check Ritter. for the defensive side of the ball. You spend $233 million on those players and, on the defense, and we're going to be Mac Daddy on defense, right. and we got this covered in yeah, the draft. And then picks. we're going to pass on – uh, a defensive stalwart up front, right? Mm-hmm. And we're going to go with another skilled position. Mm-hmm. So now we've taken all this equity and we're going to say Desmond's our quarterback, um, you know, boss. We're, we're fine with him. And we're going to draft a running back. It's going to go with the receiver we drafted. It's going to go with the tight end we drafted. It's going to go with the uh, offensive linemen we re-signed and Chris Lindstrom and Kayla McGarry. And we are in place to win the NFC South. We are in place to be better than we were last year, and I would certainly argue that we are worse than we were last year. You wouldn't have to argue hard because you are worse than you are last year. Not only that, but looking at the teams that you've won, the the internet broke, and I had to go double check when it said since you've lost Matt Ryan, you've won three road games in two seasons. Three road games in two seasons since you last. So that's the last two years. Three road games. That's it. Quite pathetic. Yeah, no, you, you, you are – listen, you only want – And who you face, why it feels worse this year, 
is the island of misfit boys in terms of quarterbacks, who you were facing, who you played. You went out and made Chicago look all world and Justin Fields and what they did. And they're gonna I, have. I a, just, I'm going to tell you this. They're going to have a hell of a time um, not hanging on to Justin Fields. Well, the chance of we want Justin Fields, keep, you know, keep Justin Fields when the fans are chanting. They have the number one pick overall, the Chicago mm-hmm. Bears, the top pick in the draft. Um, and certainly he looked like a guy that Atlanta would kill to have his athleticism against us. Listen, the only teams that win on the road are teams with good players, right? A lot right, of teams- Hold on, let me get this straight. The only teams that win on the road are the teams with really good, good players. players. Because teams mm. can win at home, Sandra. Like, b- being at home, you know, the NFL's pretty even across the board. You have a good chance to win half your home games if you got enough players, right? But the road is where you see who is, yeah. you know. It defines you. Yeah. How you play Absolutely. on the road defines it, you as a team. Right. Could not put it uh, better. Exactly right, Sandra. And we have defined, we've shown who we are. Like, we had zero chance Sunday. Like, I, I, I love, like, hey, if we had made a play here or we made a, like, no. It doesn't you, even you matter. You were out of it from minute you, one. You are out of it, and then we're still even talking about a playoff and what would that matter. Okay, here's what, here's what matters. You are currently picking ninth in the 2024 NFL draft, and we just went over the quarterbacks that are sitting there, and forget all the quarterbacks, the defensive uh, edge rushers. I mean, this is a quality, quality draft. You will drop to 20. In the NFL draft, if you win the division. I mean, and a lot of things have to happen. A lot of balls in the air. I get it. But it's almost like you got to keep your eye on the end game. What is your end game here with this group of men gathered together that are the 2023 Atlanta Falcons? And what did you learn? And by the way, Quinn Snyder not going to join us, so we're okay. We'll keep talking NFL and the Falcons. He was up late watching that game. 404-726-0929. 404-726-0929. You know, what did you learn? You're going to have to go into your owner and you're going to have to explain why all these things, it's no different than a board of directors when you have a quarterly report of what next quarter is going to look like. Or how does 2023 stack up, right? How's our, um, you know, how, how's our production going to look? Uh, how do retail sales look? Uh, what do you think of the new product that we're rolling out there? How much research have we done on this new car? And then you have to come in a year later and be like, well, you told us a uh, consumer was trending this way. And you told us this new item was going to look like it. Yeah. So our stock's down across the board. Mm-hmm. By all measurables, our stock is down. Our fan interest is down. Our look to the future looks down. Our draft picks that we put equity in those last three years, that their stock is down, including the fact that, you know, uh, they're going to be free agents soon and we've got next to nothing out of them. So, like, what did, what did you learn from the process that is going to allow Arthur Blank to let Arthur Smith come back with the same coaches, the same general manager, and I'm going to say a different philosophy because this philosophy hasn't worked. What has What is he going to be able to argue to keep his job? Because this – That's why that 80% number you just went, I believe, is too high. I think they're more dire straits than we are giving them credit for because – you know, Arthur, I think, is good about listening to the pulse of this city. He has a lot of people around him of different size, shapes, and colors, and backgrounds that are, he's hearing what exactly, forget dumb sports talk hosts like us. I'm telling you, real fans oh, yeah, that are. got a renewal letter. My friends at the lake got a renewal letter for their season tickets 
Did I hear here's Mike, what you owe. Did I hear Mike Bell say he's not renewing his season he tickets? He did on Twitter yesterday. Is that what he said on he Twitter? He sure did. 25 years. Mm-hmm. Mike Bell's had those tickets for 25 years. You bring up a great point. Let's get out of the football mindset for a second. Mm-hmm. It's hard to win in the NFL. We're, we're, we're like a lot of teams. We're mediocre. We're not awful. We're not good. You know, we're like the NFC South or the A. You're not relevant. You're not sexy. You're not talked about. You're not winning. Right, you're not. Period. You're not a place of, wow, the Falcons are on the schedule. You're a hot mess. You're trending south in every single direction, like you said. And as a businessman, as a multimillionaire, billionaire yeah. that is Arthur Blank, to sit back and think when he told us this is a three-year plan, this is year three. You've gotten worse in every category, and sometimes in relationships, in business, in whatever office you're in, can you be real enough with yourself to say this isn't working? You know, it's just a lot to flip to flip a franchise again, you know? I mean, it's not how you get better is in three years. It's all new coordinators and all new coaches and all new nutritionists and all new – the building is completely different, and now you're going to try to, you know, teach a new system. I get why it could happen. I, I totally get it. I just think, you, you, you know, the last thing you want to have to do now is what I think is going to happen is Arthur Smith will have some responsibilities taken away from him. I don't think they're going to let him call plays anymore. I think they're going to see. So why is he here? Well, I mean, the he, offensive guru not being allowed to call plays. I mean, isn't that I, I, I hear what you're saying. It makes me absolutely crazy. I sent you guys a, on text yesterday. I don't think we have it. The Matthew Berry sound, who is the draft, uh, the fantasy football and Bo, you can relate. He goes, my New Year's resolution is to never yes. draft a player <laughs> that Arthur Smith is coaching. And he goes, I don't care if he goes and coaches the Ottawa Senators. I'm not taking one of his players. So my point being, we're so close to it here, 60,000 feet above, perception is reality of what this Atlanta Falcons team is. By the way, the defense that we love so much, how many literally wins did you give up on the last two minutes of a game? And you gave up 37 points to a Chicago team. Does anybody want to cover DJ Moore? He's their best player. He's their best receiver. He had 160 yards in catching. I, I just don't understand it. Yeah, that was an epic fail for not being able to say they got one weapon that we know. Yeah, let's just maybe somebody cover him. We're a mediocre defense. I mean, above average, but that's fine. You know, above average in the NFL when you had an offense that literally couldn't hit 30 all year. I mean, he had an offense literally where you keep stockpiling all these first-rounders. Chris Lindstrom was a first-rounder, by the way. Kayla McGarry's a first-rounder. Mm-hmm. So they're, on, they're also first-rounders, right? So you got this whole group of first-rounders. You never sniff 30 points all year. So everything we thought in training camp— Did I just talk you out of the 80% or no? I see you waffling a little. No, you said I, you I, think it's 80% that, that he's coming back. Yeah, I, I think it's 80% that he's I'm gonna coming I'm going to take back. the under. Okay. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen. I truly don't. I think, you know, if he was going to get fired for sure, I've been in the town. We knew Dan Quinn was getting fired. No question. He hung on to him too long, fired him during the season. Mike Smith, I knew was getting fired. I went to the press conference for his last game. I looked at Arthur Blank. He was snippy with everybody because he knew he had to get rid of uh, Mike Smith. Uh, Jim Mora, I knew was getting fired. That, that comment he made about dream job was to coach the University of Washington. He was doomed from that moment on. I don't know on this one, man. I just, I don't know. I think he's going to get one more shot at it, and Terry is too. We'll see. 935. You want to talk about it? 404-726-0929. 404-726-0929. Um, the end of uh, a great college football playoff semifinal. 
ended about 12.30 in the morning. Also, the end of Georgia's football career for a bunch of players. Mike Griffith joins us from Dog Nation. And uh, we will go over all that stuff. Remind you also, 9 o'clock hour is brought to you by Advanced Hair Restoration. One-day treatment, life-changing results. AdvancedHair.com. Any more dogs leaving? Who let the dogs out? A lot of people. We'll find out. Mike Griffith coming up. This is so exciting. Sounds like the bomb. Nope, we're not done. It's more of the Steakhouse. On Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. JJ takes the snap, hands it off to Corum outside to the 15, hesitates to the 10. Blake Corum inside the 5. Blake Corum with an outstanding run. Touchdown, Wolverines. And John, that may be one of the best runs of Blake Corum's career. And Michigan takes a six-point lead here in overtime. Can the Wolverines survive in advance? Both huddles are broken. Michigan's defense takes the field. This time Alabama splits three wide, two to the left, one to the right. Roydell Williams in the backfield. Jalen Milrow in a shotgun. Game on the line, fourth and goal from the three. Milrow puts a man in motion, empty backfield, low snap. Quarterback run up the middle. Yeah! He's not going to make it. He's not going to make it. Nowhere close as the Michigan defense stops Jalen Milrow. Sports Radio 92.9, the game, the end of the Alabama-Michigan overtime game. I'm just going to say one thing. I want to be nice, but um, the voice, is that the voice of Michigan football? Get some lozenges or don't talk a few days before the game. That was a terrible effort for the biggest plays in Michigan football history. I'm sorry. Listen to Scott Howard on the pick with Keely Ringo and listen to Chris Fowler. That guy was not up to it, man. That was – those are two of the biggest plays right. in the history of Michigan football. He literally – I don't know. He didn't have it. He needs to take a Mike Conti course on how to bring drama to play-by-play. But regardless, Michigan in a game that absolutely was um, warranting the big boy status, right? National titles everywhere historically. Michigan and Alabama, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and then the second game was the same. And it doesn't mean that Florida State didn't deserve to be there because there were two good games. It doesn't mean that Georgia should have been there because Georgia won by 60. It doesn't mean the committee got it right. It doesn't mean the committee got it wrong. It just means we got two really good games last night. Yeah, fans win. Those were two of the best. Two, two of the best games for the best teams among probably eight that I could argue could have been there. Yes, and, and uh, in the playoffs with 12 teams, we won't have to you know, think about that. Mm-hmm. I think the committee obviously happy to get two great games. Um, and, and listen, like you said, there's a lot of teams that could have had a great show last night. And uh, it was a great show. I mean, the University of Michigan dominated in terms of pass rush like nothing we have seen. Jalen Milrow was sacked five times in a little over a quarter. He was sacked five times. And in the second half, Alabama said, we're going to pound the football, we're going to play good defense, we're right in this game. They essentially flipped the field, got the points, and Michigan needed an epic 75-yard drive, a fourth-and-two conversion to get it to overtime. And then, of course, they took care of their business in overtime. I felt like at the end, and again, I liked Michigan in the game. I told you guys, it's not like I was so smart. That game could have gone any which way. But I felt like this is kind of Michigan's time, right? Two years ago, Georgia blows them out. 
Last year, the embarrassing loss to TCU. This year, their third straight appearance in the playoff. Not an Alabama team, Sandra, that is as good as some of the Bama national title teams. No, it wasn't even one close. And Nick Saban will tell you they've given up 44 sacks all year. Yeah. That's the most they've ever had in 35 years. That's the most they've given up. That whole center exchange with Jalen Monroe, Seth McLaughlin, yeah. who, by the way, de- de- he did not talk to reporters afterwards because I can't imagine how that young man feels. But that was awful. That offensive line and that exchange from center to quarterback was a yeah, disaster. Yeah, and they just weren't diverse enough. I know that uh, Milrow can make great throws and has certainly the fourth and 32, but when they really needed to throw the ball and spread it around, they didn't have it. Here's Nick Saban after the game talking about the season. Things are changing rapidly. They're changing in business. AI's changing things. Um, things that we have happening in college football are changing things. So... You have to be able to adapt. I mean, I always say the dinosaurs couldn't adapt and they're not around anymore. So you, you have to be able to adapt to a changing, constantly changing. I believe that world. is from prior. I don't know what's going on in the last three to five years. I think that's the wrong cut. It's probably changed more than it did in the past. All right, that was the wrong cut. Mm-hmm. So that's not what we want to hear. Okay. What essentially did he say, Sandra, when, is that this he's super proud of this was season. the – he said historically will go down as one of the best Bama teams because of what they were early on from game one to what they were last night. Yeah. And he was giving much love. He was a calm, humble, and kind Nick Saban in that presser. And he knew that all the wounds were self-inflicted wounds. So when you're Saban and you saw him losing his mind in terms of when he called the center over, he's like, what the F are you doing there, they had a real big problem. He defended the call. He defended what they did. He said, that's basically a two-point play. We were on the three. Right. Listen, their, their luck was going to run out at some point. They were not as good as some of the Bama teams in the past. It they took, weren't as good as Michigan. Michigan in the trenches, oh, my you're God. Right. They weren't as good as Michigan. Better team won, but yeah. Alabama almost found a way that's exactly because right. of the way they play football. Let's that's get right. Mike Griffith. Let's talk about Georgia. They had a dramatic weekend themselves. Mike Griffith, and by the way, the uh, tailgate is brought to you by our friends at All Four Seasons Garage and Entry Doors. Mikey, what did you think of the games last night? Sloppy slugfest. Alabama-Michigan sloppy slugfest. Um, Michael Penix, story of the postseason so far. A guy the SEC rejected. Tennessee pulled his scholarship, said he was not good enough to play for those Vols. And so he has taken a circuitous route. Now, wait a minute. Route. Was that prior to – was that high school or when he transferred from Indiana? No, that was uh, that was coming out of high school. They changed coaching staffs. Butch Jones had him committed and Mike DeBoard and Jeremy Pruitt took over and a guy by the name of Tyson Helton, mm. uh, Clay Helton's That's, brother, yeah, who I yeah. believe is the Western Kentucky head coach, told Pruitt, this guy can't play in our offense. And they pulled his scholarship the week of signing day. I was down there covering that and spent a few days at Michael's house. Wow. Alabama almost finds a way to get back in the national title game, and I agree with what Sandra said. Michigan, probably the better team, but certainly was in a position with poor special teams and almost a disastrous end of the game there when they get tackled on the one. They almost blew a a game that really Michigan had pretty much all the answers for Alabama. Yeah, neither team deserved to win. Uh, Michigan was better in the trenches, and ultimately that was the difference. Milrow was under pressure, something that Georgia wasn't able to do. Uh, Georgia uh, didn't have a good, as good a front seven this year, period. And that ultimately was the undoing of the Bulldogs is they weren't good enough to beat Alabama in the trenches. You saw, uh, you saw what Milrow did when he was under pressure. He looked more like he did against Auburn than he did against Georgia. So 
Uh, Kirby's got to go to work there and build that defensive line back up if he wants to win another championship. Hmm. It was impressive, the onslaught of the Michigan defense. And then, of course, uh, McCarthy and Corum making enough plays. The uh, the Orange Bowl turned out to be exactly what everybody feared, not competitive, not compelling, an awful testament to what can happen now in college football with guys leaving and teams feeling snubbed and, and then the portal and then the draft. Uh, what was your take on being there and watching the play out? I'm going to go glass half full. I'm saying it's a great testament to what happens when a team opts in and cares about each other and cares about their program and, and plays for the G. Um, I thought it was a great statement by Georgia that their NFL guys decided they wanted to play another game together, that it meant something to them. State, when adversity hits, and I think I saw you in the studio after you were coming off an illness, when adversity hits, you got a choice. You can either stay home and cry about it or go into the studio or go play that football game. Georgia stepped up and played the game. Florida State uh, took the back door out, and that's what you get when you build a program on transfers and you don't have a strong culture. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just say the other side of that is when they announced those you know, final four, Florida State started telling you all of our NFLers, they had 30 guys out, and the difference in what Georgia is, and I do agree with you, what, what Kirby's got at Georgia is something that every team in the country is striving for, that whole we're playing for my teammate next to me. But when your second and your third team and even your fourth string players are pretty much better than – FSU doesn't have that yet. They don't have that yet. And their opt-out for those young men, I get it. I totally get it. You haven't rewarded me for playing this long, so let's let the younger guys get some practices in. So I get that. But I think your approach with Georgia and what they were there for in the G – was about as impressive as it gets. I think Kirby's thoughts afterwards when I you were there, nobody asked him that question about what he talked about with this particular bowl game and all bowl games, right? Yeah. No, I asked the Florida State coach the question about him not having a culture like George's, and he really couldn't say anything because they don't. Listen. Um, they don't jo- yet. Jo- Georgia has a unique situation. Exactly. Florida State was built on transfers and portals. Ole Miss was built on the same thing. Mm-hmm. It takes time to have guys say, By the way, go look at Washington's roster, too, by the way, with the best offensive line in the country. Every team in the country right now is built on transfers, except for a handful, because that's the way you have to do business now, Mike. Don't you agree with well, that? I, I, I agree. Some, I, I totally agree that a lot of programs do, but – you know, I saw Missouri go out there and, and play that game in Ohio State with some opt-outs, and that was another example of an SEC school that cared against a team from another conference that doesn't care as much. So I, I just it doesn't hold water for me. Florida State had some guys that could have played in that game. The reason their backup quarterback didn't play, Sandra, was he was upset when he found out that uh, Florida State brought in DGU for a visit. So that didn't have anything to do with being left out. That had to do with being selfish and not wanting to compete for a job. And when you recruit those kind of kids – that's what happened. All right, let's talk about let's talk about Georgia kids that uh, backed out yesterday. Not backed out. Head to the NFL draft. Give us a quick update. How many exits in the last four days? If folks haven't listened, yeah, tough for Georgia. Nine guys headed to the NFL, but the two guys I'd focus on are Lad McConkey and um, you know I, I thought Lad would have really benefited from another year. He's going to play in the NFL, but I think somebody's going to get him on the cheap because of the injuries. Third or fourth round. Um, that's a guy that could have been a huge difference maker for them next season. Um, tough to see Lad go. Javon Bullard, another guy, looks like a second-day pick stake that if he comes back another year could have worked his way in the first round. Those are the two tough guys to lose. You knew you were going to lose Cedric Van Pran. Uh, Bowers hasn't announced, but you got to think he's going as well. Knew you'd lose Kamari Lasseter. And 
Um, a little surprised to see Dejon Edwards and Marcus Rosemey Jack Saint go, but the fact is, I don't know that they're going to get any better than they are. Uh, maybe they come back, they get paid to play another year at Georgia, maybe make as much as they would have in the NFL, but the fact is they chose. So nine guys out so far, um, and Georgia, to me, with a lot of offseason momentum and back coming back, uh, Trevor Etienne coming in, but really hurts to lose Ladd McConkey. They've got to find another playmaker if they're going to compete for a title next well, year. Well, I, I still think the premier program in America is Georgia, and, and what they did to Florida State was impressive. The way they last two years have handled their business, um, the way they handled uh, recruiting, uh, their exits. Georgia's number one. And that goes for Michigan, Washington, Alabama, and uh, and Texas. Georgia's the number well, I'll one. Say, I'll, say this, I'll say this about Florida State. They're building a football building that's going to go between 135 and $150 million. And Mike Norvell, in four years, has taken this program a long, long way. But it was disappointing to see some of those guys opt out for all that Florida State's done for them. I will say that. I'm disappointed for their fans and for the school because yeah, they're giving their kids everything they need to win. It wasn't a fun day for Florida State. That wasn't a fun day in general for college football. Fun for Georgia. Fun for Georgia. Six, the biggest bowl win in the history of bowls. Thanks, buddy. And they're buddy. on South Beach. I mean, give me a break. They were enjoying the beach. <laughs> Mike, happy new year to you. Happy new year, Mike. Hey, Thank when we come you, back. Lots, Have lots, a great new year. <laughs> we need the NFL uh, schedule because it's a flex schedule. We'll find oh. out. Those games, Sandy. Get ready Saturday, y'all. Saturday, that's going to be fun. And Sunday night. Woohoo! 9 o'clock brought to you by Advanced Hair Restoration. One-day treatment, life-changing results. AdvancedHair.com. Sandra thinks that our head coach may be on his way out the door. I think otherwise. We'll talk about that and hear from the fans when we come back. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game.